It's Saturday, January the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russia pulls out of the Open Skies Treaty, and the Dutch government resigns. First, the week in brief. Russia said it would withdraw from the Open Skies Treaty. The pact, intended to build trust between the West and Russia, allowed 34 countries to carry out unarmed military reconnaissance flights over one another. America pulled out in November after President Donald Trump accused Russia of violating the agreement. Russia denied doing so. The government of the Netherlands collapsed after a parliamentary report found that officials had wrongly accused thousands of families of defrauding the childcare system between 2013 and 2019, ordering them to pay tens of thousands of euros each. Mark Rutte, the Prime Minister, will disband his Conservative coalition, leading the country's COVID-19 response as a caretaker until elections in March. America's president-elect Joe Biden presented a national program for administering COVID-19 vaccines, calling the Trump administration's a dismal failure. Mr. Biden plans to invoke Cold War powers to speed the manufacture of supplies and establish thousands of vaccination centers. Separately, health officials predicted that the more infectious variant of the virus detected in London would become prevalent in America by March. The National Rifle Association, America's most prominent gun rights advocacy group, filed for bankruptcy in an effort to escape what it calls a corrupt political and regulatory environment in New York, its home since 1871. The state's attorney general has sued to dissolve the NRA, accusing its leadership of illegally diverting $64 million for personal use. The NRA seeks to reincorporate in Texas. Britain's Supreme Court ruled against insurers who claimed that business interruption policies did not cover losses caused by COVID-19 shutdowns. The outcome of the test case could result in payouts for around 370,000 businesses that closed during lockdown at a cost to insurers of billions of pounds. One of the judges called the insurers' actions clearly contrary to the spirit of their policies. J.P. Morgan Chase, America's biggest bank, reported a post-tax profit of $12.1 billion for the fourth quarter of 2020, a 42% year-on-year increase. The rosy figures were largely due to high trading revenues and to a $2.9 billion release of funds the bank had reserved to cover bad loans. At Wells Fargo, another big bank, fourth quarter profits rose by 4% to just under $3 billion but Citigroup's earnings slipped by 7% to $4.6 billion. And Total, a French oil giant, will not renew its membership in the American Petroleum Institute, a powerful lobbying group. The company said its views on climate do not align with those of the API, which reportedly supported candidates in America's recent elections who opposed the Paris Climate Agreement of 2015. Total claims its operations will have net zero emissions by 2050. And now, here's today's agenda. MLK FBI, documenting America's war on civil rights. It is fairly common knowledge that the Federal Bureau of Investigation spied on Martin Luther King Jr. But Sam Pollard's documentary, MLK FBI, which was released online on Friday, ahead of Martin Luther King Jr. Day in America on Monday, uses recently declassified files to reveal the extent to which the FBI targeted King. 
The agency's head at the time, J. Edgar Hoover, feared the rise of a black messiah who could rally African Americans, and King seemed to fit the bill. Agents watched his every move, especially his sex life. The files on which Mr. Pollard's film is based claim that the FBI's tapes on King, sealed until 2027, document extramarital affairs. Hoover even sent the recordings to King's wife and colleagues to try to discredit him and undermine the civil rights movement. MLK FBI raises uncomfortable questions about King's legacy, as well as America's history of state surveillance and suppression of rights for all. COVID-19 Cinema Locked Down Making a film in a pandemic is not easy. Because every prop and piece of equipment must be disinfected, shoots take longer to set up. Crew numbers must be cut, and those who remain need protective gear. Intimate scenes have to be rewritten if possible. Anything involving crowds is unfeasible. Some filmmakers have persisted anyway. This week, Doug Lyman, best known for the action thrillers The Bourne Identity and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, releases Locked Down, a romantic comedy heist movie filmed in less than three weeks last autumn. It follows Paxton, Chibotel Ejiofor, and Linda, Anne Hathaway, as a couple on the verge of breaking up, yet forced into isolation together by the coronavirus outbreak. Their days have little purpose, until they spot an opportunity to steal a diamond from Harrods. The luxury department store has never allowed a film to be shot in its hallowed halls before. COVID-19 presented rare opportunities, Mr Lyman has said, alongside its difficulties. Clawing his way to the top, The White Tiger A film adaptation of The White Tiger, Aravind Adiga's Booker Prize-winning 2008 novel, lands on Netflix next Friday. The story is an Indian rags-to-riches tale following a rickshaw driver's son who becomes a successful businessman. It was lauded for its withering and realistic depiction of India's underworld. The film, directed by Ramin Bahrani, appears to have achieved something similar. One critic called it a brutal corrective to Slumdog Millionaire, a slushier flick from Danny Boyle in 2008. The tagline for The White Tiger is Create Your Own Fate. But rather than changing his fortunes through a gimmicky game show, as in Mr. Boyle's film, the protagonist wades into the murkier waters of bribery, corruption and murder. When writing the book, Mr. Adiga observed that India's poor were no longer happy to keep quiet, as globalization made others rich. Thirteen years on, with 100 million Indians still living in extreme poverty, those tensions have not gone away. Grudge Match, Sport and Donald Trump Angered by America's boycott of the 1980 Moscow Olympics, Eric Haydn, a speed skater and five-time Olympic gold medalist, declared sports and politics don't mix. But under President Donald Trump, athletes and coaches have found it impossible to stay quiet. Following last week's attack on the Capitol, Bill Belichick, a celebrated American football coach, turned down the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and the Professional Golfers Association of America refused to hold its 2022 championship at Mr. Trump's Bedminster course. Earlier in his term, Mr. Trump gleefully picked fights with athletes who adopted social causes, including Colin Kaepernick, an American football player, and Megan Rapinoe, a soccer star and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement and November's election combined to create an outpouring of anti-Trump sentiment from athletes. 
The basketball star LeBron James, among others, backed a potent more-than-a-vote campaign to increase African-American turnout, instrumental in many Democrat victories. Mr. Hyden's maxim may be consigned to history. Pathogen Wars Using Viruses to Fight Superbugs Few innovations have saved as many lives as sanitation in hospitals. But more hygienic healthcare has had an unintended consequence, creating antibiotic-resistant superbugs that kill hundreds of thousands of patients each year. A discovery described in Nature Microbiology shows promise against one of the nastiest superbugs. Acinetobacter baumannii has evolved a mucousy outer membrane called a capsule, which renders it impervious to most antibiotics. But this capsule makes it vulnerable to attack by bacteriophages. Phages, as they are known, are specialized viruses that prey exclusively on bacteria, leaving humans unharmed. When exposed to phages, A. baumannii quickly evolved resistance to them too. It did so, though, by shedding its capsule entirely, leaving it once again vulnerable to conventional drugs. The phages successfully resensitized the superbug to at least three antibiotics. Viruses are not currently very popular, but in the war on superbugs, humanity needs all the help it can get. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Susan Sontag, who was born on this day in 1933. Reality has come to seem more and more like what we are shown by cameras. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.